Hi, and welcome to the Andre the Beast Show. I'm Andre the Beast Creighton. Today, we're going to, on this episode, we're going to talk about safety and the importance of safety for not only ourselves, but the safety for our children and our young adults that we send out into the world every day. We're going to talk with Jill Lees, and we're going to talk with her about the regiments that she puts in place to protect our young teens at Bloomington IU. Jill Lees is the current chief of police at IU University. Jill, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Andre. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. Yeah, how did you like the introduction? Loved it. <laughs> Loved it. Okay, so Jill, give me a little bit about your your chief of police. Mm-hmm. You're female mm-hmm. from Hammond. When did the light go off that this is something that you wanted to pursue the law enforcement division? When I was in high school. Um, you know, I was focusing on friends and sports and, and just really, I was a huge athlete, had a lot of great friends I'm still friends with today. Mm-hmm. Um, and sitting in class one time, and I'll never forget, it was uh, um, World Civilization. Mr. Charlotte asked me to come up there. He goes, hey, my last name was Monday then. He goes, hey, Monday, come on up to my desk. And I'm like, oh, what I do, right? right? So I go up to the desk and he goes, you know, he goes, I'm part of a service organization, and I think you would really enjoy the state police career camp. How would you like to go, and we'll pay for you to do that next summer? Pay for you to go? Yeah. Pay, I mean, I didn't have the money, and my family didn't have the money really to, to ship me off to, to camp for a week. Okay. Um, so I was like, yeah, that sounds exciting. I mean, I'm always up for a good challenge and for excitement, and, and I always had good relations with the police in my neighborhood, but mm-hmm. this, was a new, this was a new adventure for me. Okay. So I went to state police camp back in 1980, <laughs> 1989. Okay. Um, and um, I was, I remember I was sitting there and, you know, that's when they, they had state troopers, they brought in federal agencies, they had um, SWAT, canine, all kinds of different specialties. And I just remember sitting there and I was like, this totally is what I want to do. Okay. I said, you know, this is what I want to do. This is when the light bulb went on. Okay. And IUPD was there. Okay. Um, and back at that time, it was Lieutenant Joe Roop. Um, and I'll you never got a good memory. I'll never forget him. I remember everything. <laughs> okay. Um, but I'll never forget that he stood up there and talked about how you can go to school at Indiana University, but you also can be a part of a cadet program where you can train to be a police officer while you're, you know, studying. And what grade was this? Did all this take place? Uh, summer before my junior year. So I was getting year. ready to start junior year, and that's kind of when you start looking of, you know. What, what's your avenue, right. you know, after high school? So, um, and that's when the light bulb turned on for me. And I said to myself then, I said, not only do I want to get in law enforcement, I want to go to Indiana University, and I want to be part of that cadet program. Were the, were the faculty at your school, because I'm pretty sure the, 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 the vast world of the Internet probably was, was just now surfacing or wasn't surfacing, were they in, were they in, any influences from the faculty, your counselors, as far as guiding you there, or was this just something that you just happened to walk into and say, "Wow, I want to just mm-hmm. see what's going on"? 
Absolutely. I mean, I was just focused and driven from that point and said, wow, I just want to go to IU and I'm going to figure out how to do it. And I went home and I remember coming back from that camp and telling my mom, I want to go to IU um, and I want to be part of that cadet program. Um, but meanwhile, while I was at that camp, um, I met an, um, a, a state trooper. Um, who was that? That was Nyla Miller Cronk, who's a major with the state police today. See, I can tell you, a police officer, you have not forgotten a name no. all the way from back to 1989. That's right. That's okay. right. And she she uh, remembered me and became she was my mentor basically ever since that police camp. Um, and I've seen her and cross paths with her throughout my whole entire career. And um, she just called me the other day. So we keep in touch. And that's something that's so important to me is having that mentorship, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a coach, whether mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, a fellow law enforcement officer that's also a female. That was really important for me back at state police camp. That she was a female officer? Mm hmm So how was that so important to you, um, if you don't mind sharing that? Um, because... You know, female officers, you know, are a little bit different, you know, and while we all work very well together, um, I think it's really important, though, to for me as a high schooler to look at her and say, if she can do it, I can, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be, you know, doing the push ups or passing the entrance exams or passing the physical tactics side of it or shooting. Um, you know, there's so many different skills police officers have to know and be good at um, to do the job. And. I just was so happy to be able to connect with her and other female officers that were counselors at that camp. So we're probably in the same era. We won't mention age <laughs> brackets at this time. But clearly, I know from my own experience growing up, and you come mm -hmm. from Hammond, which really isn't that far from Gary, no. still, still industry area. Um, my choices were limited growing up in high school and I understand what you're saying when you're in this, the uh, your last two years of high school you're really looking for what am I going to do next what's my next step um, my choices were um, kind of like you you went to the military or you found the local factory mm -hmm. college was really not on counselor's mind so with that said did the same things kind of happen to you and if so what was if that hadn't been your option, mm -hmm. walking into the school that day and seeing that, what was an alternative for you? Because let's, let's face it, Hammond, still, mm -hmm. very little schooling. What do you do from that moment on? What was it like for you? For me, up until that point, um, I kind of wanted to follow my dad's footsteps in the military. Um, and I had really good grades, so I, I, I would have loved to have gone to like West Point or the Air Force Academy or something of that nature. But, um, you know, because I just, I just didn't see myself as a traditional college student because my, my, I'm a first generation college student, so I never got to, to know and understand like if my mom and dad went to college. and. You know, my dad being in the military, that always that always interests me because of, you know, just there again, the physical nature of things. Um, and Did your parents come at you with any type of aspirations about college or because the fact that your dad was in the military and, and served, was that more of a direction that they probably uh, saw you going into anyway? Mm -hmm. We had a lot of different conversations in the household about um, you know, different career paths or choices um, as far as like, you know, my interest of the military or different other interests that I had. I always had really good grades. And again, I was, I loved uh, sports. 
So um, what do you mean really good grades? What's your GPA? Oh, I See, think boom, you forgot it. No, I, I got it. But <laughs> I think uh, back then, though, I graduated fourth in my class in high school. Okay. Um, and so when I told people I wanted to be a police officer, they're like, why? Why don't you become an attorney? And I was like, because I don't want to. You why, know, why I, do you think they said attorney just out just of Just because of grades. grades. You know, they, okay. they looked at that being a higher status than being a police officer. And I was like, but but I like to help people and I wanted to make a difference in my community. Okay. Um, you know, so that that's kind of the direction I went. Okay. Now, the direction that you went. So tell me, let me let me put this like this because, see, I already <laughs> talked to you. Uh, <laughs> you did something I thought was really uh, cool. One of my favorite movies is, I better not tell people. Should I say it, Jason? Silence of the Lambs. We, do you remember that area right there? I think you visited there before, didn't you? Yes, I did. Tell me that. Tell me. <laughs> did you see Hannibal Lecter at all? Uh, no, I did not. I did not. Ah, okay. Uh, so tell me about that journey down there. What yes. was it like? FBI. Yes, I went to the FBI National Academy, and I have to say I went to session number 279, so I have to give a shout-out to those classmates. Okay. Um, I went to the FBI in Quantico, Virginia, with 250 other law enforcement executives from around the world, from okay. all over the United States, um, from Alaska to Hawaii to you know, the East Coast to, to Europe and Asia. Um, and I met some amazing people and spent 10 weeks from January to March this year of 2020 um, studying, networking, and also uh, working out really hard and okay. uh, running the Yellow Brick Road. And what's the Yellow Brick Road? The Yellow Brick Road is, that's the pinnacle of being at the National Academy is, is earning that yellow brick. It's not given, it's earned. It's earned. And um, you have to qualify with a, with a mile run under a certain time and you have to... Uh, it's part of a Marine Corps competency or confidence course um, that you might see Clarice Starling running, you know, at the okay. beginning parts of that movie. Um, and it's uh, about about six miles, but two and a half of it is the your traditional military Marine uh, obstacles. So that was fun. Speaking of Marines, you have a son, a brand new grandchild. Mm -hmm. <sighs> He's going into the Marines for his, is his first year or second year? He's completed his first year in the Marines, first yes, year. sir. How does he feel about his mom and the career choice that you have? <laughs> I, know he's, I know he says things and you go, oh, my God, but what's it like? <laughs> um, I've always tried to be such a good role model for him when he was growing up, but um, I will tell you that, you know, I think he's always been proud of me, and I'll never forget one time where I was actually out of town and I won – like the Top Gun Award, you know, or a, a small trophy. We always had a competition, you know, who was the best shot on the department back in the old days. And uh, the he, old days. Yeah, the old days. This was when he was a lot, lot <laughs> okay, younger, okay. when he was little. And um, he actually accepted that award for me because okay. he was in attendance. And, um, you know, it's like a cool picture of him with mom's trophy, you know, with the chief and the assistant chief at that time. So he, he's been through my journey with me ever since he was born. So you find, he finds a lot of, your stuff embedded in him now as he moves forward mm -hmm. and stuff okay so tell me this you're now the chief of police what was that like that was being the chief of police is is definitely you know it's hard to describe it's something that you it's hard to imagine because you work so hard i've worked for almost 26 years to get to this point were there ever any doubts any any people that was like you know you're 
naturally, you already know I'm going. You're a female. Mm-hmm. Was that your biggest? What was your biggest obstacles that you allowed to penetrate into your mind and said, "This is what I need to try to overcome because I see a bigger project in in, in my future." Yeah, um, I've always just worked really hard and doing a lot of the little things that people didn't want to do. Um, such I was, as what? Such as writing policy. Nobody wants to do that. What is right? writing policy? Uh, you know, it's, it's that, it's, it's the brain work and the important behind the scenes work of law enforcement that a lot of people don't see mm-hmm. and how important that is. But when you do things like that, you know, I always thought, well, this will set me up someday for something bigger and better. Right. But a lot of times I kind of felt like, well, okay, I'm on the the admin side of law enforcement or the support side and maybe not that operation side where you would think the next chief of police would come from. Mm. So um, I've always worked hard, you know, a lot of, I mean, people look at me and think, well, gosh, you know, you've done so much in your career, you know, you probably had not had a lot of setbacks, but, you know, there were promotions I didn't get and there were different other other, you know, just other small things along the way that it just a minor setback. But it's did that make you stronger because the promotions that you thought you should have gotten? Did that just add more fuel to the fire to go? Okay, I didn't get it, but I'm gonna keep moving. Yeah, I, I'm one of those that always brings. I always say I bring my own weather with me. Like I always bring a positive attitude, okay. and I always like want to work harder. So if you tell me I can't do something, you're gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Okay. I'm gonna keep working, keep growing. Um, and I think it's about personal self-satisfaction, too, in, in making own, my own personal improvements. Okay. So I think that's really important, too. So a lot of the little things that I have done has helped me set up myself for leadership and, and what that looks like and how I like to have fun. You know, and being the chief of police, you have such an awesome opportunity to help the people that you work with. And it's not that work for you, it's the people that you serve. It's being that servant leader and really working alongside with them mm-hmm. and, and caring, caring about what their personal struggles are or what they want to achieve. And that's the reason that we're here today. We're talking about that, that caring and that concern. You have a big responsibility. Um, you're, you're dealing with our children. Mm-hmm. Um, during a time now where even though they're they're going off to be young adults, they're still looking for role models. Mm-hmm. Um, let's use this for an example. Um, as soon as we had the lockdown, nation worldwide, pretty much, it seemed Florida left the Pandora box open, and college kids are less like any other college kids. They we're invincible. We all lived through that um, that that phase. What did you do to? help the parents and to help the kids without them feeling you're not my mom I'm I'm on my own how did you make the comfort zone to safety better for the kids better for the community better for the parents you know in this time during COVID-19 it's been very difficult to actually reach out and be face to face with you know the parents parents coming through student orientation mm-hmm. or 
um, you know, a lot of our campus partners or the kids showing up for that welcome week and kind of giving that message of, of safety, but also the, the caring and how much, you know, IUPD wants them to succeed. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I've done this summer is video after video after video because everybody's on Zoom and everybody's right. getting messages through video or, or Twitter videos or, um, you know, I'm doing a parent webinar uh, the beginning of September on health and safety, okay. you know, with, um, you know, medical staff from our health center to kind of help navigate that safety concern, but also the health risk, too. Right. Um, so I'm always trying to partner and trying to get a positive message across. And one thing that I always stress to parents is, is nobody wants your children more safe than I do. Right. You know, I always look at all the kids on campus as my kids and that I think it's really important that they know that we're here as a resource and we're here to help them. And we want nothing but their success. After four years, they can leave Indiana University with a diploma and say, I made it. And I have people that help me along the way if, if needed. Now, how much, how have you, since you've taken over, what kind of changes have you seen moving forward versus things that you saw that needed to be changed and, and that you now have implemented that has clearly impacted the university and mm -hmm. the faculty and the safety? Right. Um, I think something that, you know. I got you with that when I see you going no? like this. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, no, it's just there's a lot um, coming in from the outside. Think about it. I didn't work the last 25 years at Indiana University as right. an officer or as you know a supervisor and worked my way up. I came in from the outside even though I did make it through that cadet program back in the early 90s. Right. I did go to the police academy there. So I definitely had a foundation of understanding, but obviously things changed in 25 years. Right, right. But I just didn't want to come in and just you know upset the apple cart or change everything for the sake of change. Um, they always say, they always say things about cops. Cops don't like change, and they don't like the way things are. That's always been the old standard. Right. Um, standard but you changed the standards, though. Yes, we, we've definitely have taken a look at it. I kind of came in and sat back just to kind of see how things were working. And then, obviously, with those, you know, um, my bosses and different, you know, campus partners, we looked at how can we make this organization better? Right. Um, we're, we're looking at, we just instituted body cameras. Okay. Um, when that was something that, you know, they've been working on before my arrival. Uh, we're definitely looking at improving our policies and procedures and working toward that police accreditation because that's so important to have an accredited police department following national standards. And you guys are also working with um, um, race development programs. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, we work with the um, Vice President's Office of Equity, Inclusion, and Diversity um, in regards to forming a new EIO program, which What's is an, it's an engagement inclusion officer program where it's not that community policing where you just check the box. It's actually reaching out to different student groups um, and making that connection, that meaningful connection. It's not just sitting down and having a conversation, but being intentional in how we can help look at their concerns or how can we build better relationships mm -hmm. i think that's the biggest key into all of this is how do we build better relationships have better understanding um, learn about struggles that certain groups have mm -hmm. and embrace that diversity because indiana university is such a diverse campus and offers so much to students that we want them to be successful and feel 
that they, you know, can rely on IUPD for that safety. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to hit her with this line, Jason, from the movie. (laughs) I'm not going to jail today. What movie is that? Uh, Let me, can I get a Samuel Jackson? I'm (laughs) not going to jail today. Oh, the negotiator. (laughs) All right, there we go. There we go. You you had to say it. You had to say it like. (laughs) So I'm looking at, I'm looking at your, all of your accomplishments. This was by far, I was like, are you serious? Explain how you became a negotiator. That is like my favorite movie, but a female. Once again, you've accomplished some things that if we look at the way society is today, the first thing they're going to say, you're a female. (laughs) But we're going to use this this show to show that you can be anything you want to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell me about the negotiator, how you became the negotiator. Well, I think the biggest thing is I like to talk a lot. <laughs> you know, if, if you if you can out talk somebody, you can then out talk them out of a house or out of different situations. Have you actually performed that task? Absolutely, many times. Really, many times. Absolutely, all different kinds of circumstances. Yeah, mm-hmm. very successful too. I okay. mean, there's not that one that that I think, wow. You know, I mean, you know, you, you learn from different minor mistakes or different things. I wish we would have done things a little bit different, but, right. but never. Uh, in a critical situation, that's where I feel like my strength is, is I'm calm and cool. I can talk to somebody. I really can get in their brain of, you know, what what I can do to help them. I always look at the help part of it. What is life like for you? Just, just, just take the viewers mm-hmm. on a ride with you. You're getting up in the morning and, and uh, because I think a lot of times, especially with what we're dealing with today, we always ask that people – they don't want to walk in your shoes, but they're quick to, to, to make judgment. Oh, yeah. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Tell me what it's like. Tell, take Absolutely. the viewers on a, on a ride with you. Because you, you, you have life and death situations in mm-hmm. your hand every day. Absolutely. You have decisions that affect people every single day. And we on the outside, we don't ride in a police car with you. We don't go on a on a on a call out to see what's going on we don't see the aftermath but when it's portrayed in the news we're quick to judge right so you tell me what's it like to ride with you on on a chaotic day (laughs) you know not a good day i was gonna say a chaotic day what's it like i mean tell me what it's like that you had to deal with something and and you was like oh my god if it was me doing it could i have actually been able to do it can i go in and negotiate a situation probably not right so right. you tell me take me on a ride okay well first let me just start real briefly with that good day okay because that good day is coffee okay okay gotta have the coffee um it's real important for me I'd but like to take time out to <laughs> to uh, give a commercial break to starbucks uh, <laughs> they should be here soon to bring us a fresh cup of coffee okay go ahead baby. no that that's really important <laughs> is is i love to get to work really early you know and and i love to to talk to talk to the supervisors talk find out what's going on for the day i mean a good day is you know it's always packed with meetings and phone calls and things but it's really connecting with the people at work which i think is really important Mm -hmm. um throughout my career i've worked in many critical incidents um and i think that the chaos is when you get called out and you really have to wrap your brain around what's happening you know what the situation is and you know as you probably a, have a split second to yeah 
evaluate. Absolutely. As an administrator, I got to think of everything. You know, did you call out the evidence tech, the detectives? What are we doing here, there? Um, you know, and, and luckily, you know, after a chaotic situation, you have that like after action, like debrief, where you can kind of sit and say, what was good about this? What would you like to improve? Um, you know, what are some corrective actions? You know, just, just different things like that. But I mean, you know, there's, you know, it's kind of, um, that's when you really get into beast mode is when that critical <laughs> incident, especially when you get woke up in the middle of the night yeah. and you have to be on um, trying to find out, um, you know, at IU, the biggest power is that sending out that emergency alert in a critical incident. Okay. So something happens real close to campus that could impact campus or, um, you know, there's a there's a major. You guys work closely with the Bloomington yes. Police Department. So if they get a call out, you're you're right on the same frequency so you can put in a plan of action for the campus as well am I, am I saying it right no absolutely we're not on the exact same frequency but we definitely monitor their frequency and anytime something happens um middle of the night during the day that really is impacting you know the city but very close to campus they obviously contact us or we we communicate back and forth to find out if we have to send that emergency alert and when you do that that's like pushing the button to alert 64,000 people mm -hmm. connected to the campus, students, faculty, staff, um, you know, to to monitor that that emergency situation that's come out. So a lot of times we're up in the middle of the night and we're talking through a situation we might have just to see where we're at and if we need to send an emergency alert or a timely warning. How do you how do you disassociate when you go home? When is how do you just unravel from mm -hmm. everything that goes on the um in your in your um in your job? How do you go back home and say, I'm gonna leave this home? Because really I don't think you can. Because I guess with the job title that you have, it's mm -hmm. not like you're a, a patrol officer. Right. When that clock hits, do do you ever really shut down? You you're in you're in mm -hmm. the beast state of mind twenty four seven and people don't realize that. Um, so, what is what is your recipe for doing that? Because you got to have you got to have sign, oh, yeah. mind, and body. So, what do you do to to just say, you know what, I'm gonna relax the beast in me right now and just make it about me? Absolutely. I think for me, it's that quiet time. You know, when I'm at work, I am in beast mode. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to rock <laughs> and roll. As far as you know, um, just you know, handling the meetings and phone calls and and different you know things throughout the day. But when I get home, I love to read. I like that quiet time. Um, and I think the key for me is trying to do the very best I can to get a good night's sleep, get eight hours of sleep. You know, sometimes again, you will get woken up in the middle of the night, but I think that's really important for me is kind of that quiet time, mm -hmm. um, just to kind of unwind. Mm -hmm. uh, my faith is very important to me. So that, that hour at church on Sunday, I think that kind of is my reset button. Do you actually set that time aside for yourself? Yes. And let the faculties and stuff know, look, this is my Sunday, this is my time. Yes. You clearly can't say, don't hit the Batman button. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, sometimes you never know when that's going to happen. Okay. Um, and sometimes you never know when the boss might call on Sunday um, because, you know, it happens. I mean, that that is part of being the chief is that responsibility and, and liability that rests on, on my shoulders and, and knowing how I can help the department navigate through different situations 24 seven. Um, but, but that is important to me is that hour of Sunday, Sunday church. 
Well, see, it, 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 it's clearly I can look at you and see you also bring that mother figure to the to, to, to your work. And I think you got to have that. I think that's probably what makes you a little bit different than the average person that you are a mother. You do have a son that's going uh, that's in the in the service. You grew up in that. So you the sense of compassion is clearly showing. How does that translate into your personal life? Like, do you do you have a sense of balance going there? That could be better. You know, it's your own. It has to be difficult because yeah, you know if be real if if <laughs> I was dating you and you had your job I, I'd be freaking out all the time you know what I mean and I'm a guy and you're a female so I would constantly be going oh my god you know what's the day like going to be like for her how do you bring that comfortness yeah. into your into your personal life I, I think with fun a sense of humor and calm you mm -hmm. know just the me being me I'm like this all the time you know mm -hmm. whether I'm at work or at home um, and I think that that's how I try to balance um, but there are those things not again. I'm going back to talk about work again, but like last night right. our brand new recruits that our cadet officers that graduated the police Academy a few weeks ago It was their first weekend working night shift and it's like to see the glimmer in their eyes and just to know that I'm helping shape the next generation of law enforcement. And that's why it's so important to me to see the smiles in their faces, knowing that they're trying to make a difference for students as well. No, what else did you do last night? No, don't go there. <laughs> you did something else besides that, because I was talking to you on the phone. What did you say? Uh, which part? You said, Dre, I'm working a double or something like that, because I'm going <laughs> yeah. out with the recruits yes. to show support for those, absolutely, those yeah. guys. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I worked... Um, almost to about 11:30 last night until I got tired because still showed up here that's right <laughs> okay. absolutely but um, you know but there again that gives me such satisfaction of trying to in, in a in a world where people are not really wanting to be police showing that we have this next generation of police officers coming up that are trying to do things and want to do things the right way what have you seen with the new cadets coming in I mean uh, do you see a sense of urgency or more of a sense of individuals, young individuals, want to make a difference? I think they are a great group of young individuals wanting to make a difference, but every summer they have a class motto. And, well, and it, this can summer, you share that? Yes, or, okay. absolutely. So this summer, if you can only imagine, was unprecedented times and unrivaled commitment. I mean, if you think about it, they had to adapt and overcome almost every single day right. that they were at the police academy this summer. Um, and I just think it was a great opportunity for them to still be able to attend, um, but also then to, to, ha to help make our campus safe. And right. I think that that's, that's really big too. But, you know, there again, I, I digress to go back to the personal side of it. You know, those things in, at work make me happy you know, and, and help me, you know, get through that there's, weekend, too. There's nothing wrong with being happy while you're at, at work. I mean, absolutely. I, I tell people if you're miserable going to work, it's not meant for you. Right. If you're griping when you get home, it's not meant for you. So evidently what you are doing, um, you enjoy because I'm sitting here looking at you smile with every single question that has been thrown at you. Um, I like to. Thank you for coming aboard with us today and sharing your story and really impacting the viewers because I really think that they need to know that somebody's watching out for their, their kids, um, that IU has the um, resources 
to uh, make that happen, mm -hmm. and you are by far the anchor of that force to make these things happen during the, the times that we're dealing with now. Thanks for coming. Come back again. We'd love to have you back on the show. That will do it for this episode of the Andre the Beast Show. Tune in every Friday. Uh, Jason, you got anything you want to say to uh, Jill before we get off? You better say something. I mean, really, uh, I just I respect you so much and respect what you do. Uh, I had the opportunity to walk across America with a uh, IMPD officer, David Roth, and uh, it was an amazing experience and to hear a little bit of his stories and things like that. So just uh, thank you for your service. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And with that said, tune in for the next episode of Andre the Beast. Great, 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 great.